Broncos country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown Denver. All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of Touchdown Denver, hosted by myself, George Stoya, the Denver Gazette, and my good friend, Nick Ferguson. Nick, what's going on, man? How are you? I am doing uh, fantastic. Uh, the weather has changed, and you know, when the weather changes as frequently as it does here in Denver, something else changes too, and that is uh, the health of uh, a lot of players, and the Broncos seem to still be working through some kind of uh, sickness internally. Uh, obviously, last week, someone put out information that it was COVID outbreak, but uh, that was quickly dis- uh, dismissed. But uh, how are you doing, buddy? Well, I am uh, <clears throat> might be one of those people a little bit. I'm I'm a little bit under the weather today, Nick. I think that uh, I think I think it's a combination of the weather. As I look outside right now, it's snowing, uh, and it looks like we're going to get quite a bit of snow today. Uh, on top of you know traveling, you know going to, all the way to London. Uh, you know we went to LA about a month ago. Uh, you know I went home for a bit. Uh, Nashville this last week. Uh, I think it's that combination, and then I, and then like you said, the players in the locker room—they've uh, had a handful of guys that we're not exactly sure what they were sick with, uh, but you know, it's something's been going around, and I, I've also heard it's just been going around, um, you know, a lot of places in Denver. So I, I think I caught something, but hopefully it's just a, you know, a one day or two day little bug, uh, and I'll be better. But uh, definitely, definitely, this is my this is my Jordan flu game, Nick. So uh, this is this is about to be the best podcast we ever record. Well, you know, thinking back to that that Jordan uh, flu game, even though he was kind of uh, moseying around the court, I mean, he did his uh, thing. So I guess if you're going to be uh, Jordan in this scenario, I guess I'm going to be your Scottie Pippen holding you up. So let's get it, buddy. <laughs> yeah, let's yeah, exactly. Well, Nick, I know you weren't able to make it out to practice uh, yesterday. Some interesting comments uh, from Nathaniel Hackett, Russell Wilson. Justin Simmons all spoke yesterday at Broncos practice, but um, I wanted to ask you, because this was kind of floated around even at practice, is you know when you lose uh, all these close games, and I believe this was a question that was asked uh, to Justin, um, you know, all these one-score games, and I think it's five of their six losses now are one-score games. What kind of impact can that have on the morale of a team? Because it's not like this team's getting blown out, right? Uh, this team has been in, in, in every single game, even the Raiders game, the other loss that they had that wasn't a one-score game. They're in that game, right? Like they have a chance to win that game in the fourth quarter. Uh, they're not able to. I, I was wondering from your perspective as a former player, what can that many one-score games – does that – I mean, because I think it's also one of those things, right, Nick, where it's like it could be bad for morale, but it could also be like, hey, we're this close. We're a couple plays away from being, having a totally different record. Yeah, there's a good and bad of, of that, George, uh, and you alluded to the first part, is that, hey, man, we're so close, uh, we're, we're, we're right there, and we hear Nathaniel Hackett, I mean, he said that an entire season, how close the team is, and you, you have that optimism in, in a lot of the fans, too, as well, but as players, you, you look at it, and yeah, you, you're fired up because how close you are, but here's the bad side of it, and after you get over, I guess, that uh, – a joyful, gleeful moment of thinking, okay, well, we're right there because the games have been so close. Reality actually sets in. We're so close, but yet so far away because we have yet to win any of those 
uh, close games. And it becomes um, mentally demoralizing for a team, for a defense, knowing as though you're you're right there knocking on the door, George, and it's not happening for you. And you get so frustrated, so frustrated, because you're like, at what point are we going to actually break through? What do we have to do to break through? And that's the level of frustration that the Broncos have now. But I'll tell you this, this team is not reacting as though the Raiders are reacting another team in a similar situation because you got players throwing helmets, you know, guys having uh, conversations with one another on the sideline or not having conversations at all. You go back to the Colts game when the Raiders were struggling in that first half, no one was speaking to anyone. The fans were booing. And then the crowd, you know, they were just kind of there. I mean, does that sound vaguely familiar to what's happening here in Broncos country? So, yes, it is demoralizing. And you're wondering when you're going to break through. And it's one thing to be blown out by a team, right? You already know what was in the cards. You don't even stand a chance. But to constantly lose close games, man, it starts to break you down both physically and mentally. And we heard last week after the Broncos lost to the Titans, just listening to those guys in the locker room, you're seeing it starting to wane on them. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's it's one of those situations where, look, I think you can look at it a couple ways. Like I said, you know, hey, we're close, uh, but also are we really that close? Because you look around the NFL, Nick, I think the Broncos have played the most one-score games this season, uh, and they're three and five in those games, but everybody plays close games, right? I mean, it's the NFL. Uh, everybody's, you know, relatively good, uh, and every week is going to be a tough game. So I, I don't know if it's something you can necessarily hang your hat on and say, oh, well, we're, we're super close. And it's like, well, are you really? Because, uh, yeah. again, you've yet to win some of those really close games. I, I think the Raiders, Nick, this year have played in six one-score games and are 0-6 in those one-score games. So, you're talking about two teams that really don't know how to win these close games. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that works. Nick, let me ask you this. If you're the Broncos, how do you start winning those one score games? I, I know it's easy to say, well, they got to score more points. And Russell Wilson said yesterday, he's like, well, if we just score two more touchdowns, then we're winning more games. And it's like, that's great that you, that like, yeah, of course, of course you win more games if you score two more touchdowns, but how are you going to score those two more touchdowns? So if you're the Broncos, how are you looking at this and saying, okay, we've been in all these one-score games. How are we going to now start winning those one-score games? Well, as ridiculous as it sounds to most, when you hear Russell Wilson say, you know, all we have to do is uh, score more touchdowns. He's even said, like, if I make a throw here and I make a play here, then that's going to change the outcome of the particular game. And he's absolutely Right, but the way that you actually get it done is staying ahead of the chains, you know, on, on first and second down. Because the biggest question is, when we look at the Broncos, why they're struggling, right? It's it third down efficiency. They're constantly in third and long situations. So the way you handle that is being better on first and second down. And where you handle that from a coaching standpoint is putting your guys in great situations. And how you handle it from a player standpoint, it is execution. Sometimes we'll have, you know, maybe good play calling, bad execution. Or, you know, for the most part, uh, the Broncos have been consistent at poor execution, poor play design. That's the thing that's killing this team right now. So they need to get on the same page. And getting on that same page is making sure, listen, if you're an offensive lineman, we can't have two guys having penalties. Like one guy has a penalty, another has a breakdown in protection. 
That is a disaster. 18 times Russell was hit last week against the Titans. And I know, I mean, I was somewhere watching the game and I, I heard fans like, throw the ball, throw the ball. And I had to actually take a screenshot of the game and show them exactly where you're throwing the ball, right? Receivers are so deep down the field. Protection is breaking down. You show me where you're throwing the ball. I know you can say, hey, listen, get the remote, pause it, and then look to the left or right and say, but this guy was open. But guess what? There's a hand in his fake, his freaking face. So how are you supposed to get the ball out of his hands? These are the problems that the Broncos have. And, yes, in order to get those two touchdowns, you need all 11 guys on that particular drive thinking as one and saying, I'm not going to be the guy that cost the team on this particular possession because that's the one thing that has killed them thus far. Yeah, and, and we're going to dive more into the to the O-line a little bit later, Nick, but I do think that that's, you know, in my opinion, the number one issue with this team right now. I mean, the offensive line, they're unable to run the ball. They can't protect Russell Wilson. And when you have those two things, it's like, well, how are you going to move the football when you need to? So they've got to fix that, uh, which is going to be tough considering how many guys they have out there. But I think it's also just a matter of, of guys needing to go make some plays at the end of the game. You know, I, I think that we've yet to see that. And again, that's tough because you've got some of your top receivers, your top playmakers out. So it's going to be really tough to make those plays. I, I don't know, Nick. I, I feel like we we continue to sit here and try to come up with solutions for this team. And we just continue not to find any. And I feel like it's the same for when we hammer these guys with questions every single week and we're asking them the same thing and they still have no answers, right? Like, I mean, Nathaniel Hackett gets up there and says the same stuff every week. <clears throat> and I don't really blame him because it's like, you know, what what new, what new what is he going to do? Like, I, I feel like he's running out of answers. I don't know if you get that sense from him too, but it just feels like this team, especially the offense, obviously, just doesn't have a ton of answers right now. Well, George, how can you run out of answers when you are saying the same thing over and over, right? I mean, that, there's only one answer that you have is, uh, I don't know. I mean, even going back to Britt Ripon, when he was in for, you know, for Russell Wilson, he didn't even know. And if he said that if he had the answers, guess what? The outcome of the offensive execution would be so much better. And I think for me, that's part of the problem, not identifying or looking directly in the mirror as to what are the issues with the team. It's okay to admit that, hey, you know, hey, I'm a little off today, so let me figure out why I'm off and then come up with answers to that question. But to constantly kind of look at yourself, self-evaluation after two weeks uh, on a bye, and you still have no answers why, as to why things are happening. Yes, we all know not scoring inside the red zone, killing yourself with penalties, right? Not running the ball as much as you need to to establish play action, also coming up with some other creative ways to get your guys involved. And also you got guys on your team that you can get involved, that they are capable. I know once before we were talking about, oh, the Broncos don't have all the personnel. They don't. And that's true. But you still have some guys on the roster that can execute certain schemes and play calls and run certain routes. It's just a, it's a matter of just kind of getting them involved and putting them in that particular position, Joy. So, yeah, there's only one simple, you know, re response to this. And it's, you know, I don't know, because that's the only thing that they have in their back pocket is I don't know. But you do know. I mean, if you can mess up something, you can resolve it. But you first have to admit that there's a problem. Do you think they can fix it, Nick? There's only eight games left. Do you think they can fix it in these last eight games? Absolutely, man. I, I know it looks really bleak. Uh, 
looking at the situation right now, I'm looking at the struggles, but think about what we're constantly talking about, how well the defense is playing, right? Only if the, if the Broncos were able to score 20 points a game, 18 points a game, now they win six games. So, yes, this thing can be turned around, but the only part about it, I can't do it. You can't do it. We can want it to happen, but the only people who can do it are the individuals inside that building. But I'll tell you this, those guys in the building, they want that. And when you constantly ask, hey, what's going on? You know, what, what seemed to be happening? And you get that, you know, man, I know what that means. I know what that means. That means that, hey, as a player, you might want to do something or you hope that the coaches do a certain thing with you as a player or the scheme, but it's just not happening. So being being as though I was a player in that, in, in, in that particular locker room and also in, in some other locker rooms, that, that natural reaction when you ask a player, hey, man, what's going on? And no one's looking in, in you, looking you in your eyes and you're not really getting a straight answer, then you already know what the issue is. And it's something that Broncos country have uh, seen themselves and they're hoping that there is a significant change at the coaching position. But like I told you last podcast, don't bet on it, brother. Yeah, it, I mean – it's going to be interesting, man. Uh, I thought it was interesting the report that came out about the Raiders yesterday. I don't so I don't know if you saw this, Nick, but uh, there's a report out there about the reason they're not firing Josh McDaniels is because uh, they don't have the money uh, to fire him and then hire a new head coach, uh, which is really interesting. And that's not the problem for the Broncos, right? Uh, the Walton Pinner family are the richest owners in the league, so if they really want to get rid of Nathaniel Hackett, they can. But at the same time, I can see both sides, right? Like on one side, you're like, hey, man, he's had the worst offense in like 60 years in franchise history, right? Uh, Like you can't keep that guy. On the other hand, I mean, he was dealt a really tough hand, in my opinion. Uh, And and I'm not saying they should keep him or not keep him. I I, Either way, I I will understand the move. But like Russell Wilson's not playing well. The personnel, you and I talked about that last podcast, is just not there right now. The amount of injuries they've had. I mean, I believe they lead the they lead the league uh, in guys on the IR right now, uh, and they definitely have the highest amount of money, you know, per per person on there right now. Uh, so you're talking about not just having guys on the IR; it's important players on the IR. So I I, I think it's it's all those things combined. I I just don't know, you know, what they're going to do. I don't think it'll happen. Like there's some people that are like, oh, well, if they lose up to the Raiders on Sunday, he's going to be fired by Monday. I don't buy that. Like I don't think firing a head coach in the middle of the season is, you know, very beneficial to anybody. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. Uh, I also saw, you know, Ajero Evero uh, was on uh, a list today of uh, top up and coming coaches. I wonder if he would be a candidate anywhere uh, to be a head coach this off season, which he's done a phenomenal job in his first year. So Nick, we got to take a quick break, uh, but there's a lot more I want to dive into, including, Breaking down some of this Raiders game, um, you know, again, you have to be a crazy person probably to watch this game unless you're a Broncos or Raiders fan. But uh, there's a lot of interesting matchups, right, Nick? Uh, and I also want to dive into a very interesting quote that we got yesterday from Nathaniel Hackett that kind of blew up on my Twitter when I tweeted it out. Uh, but we'll take a quick break and then we'll dive into that, Nick. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. 
All right, everybody, we're back from that quick break. And Nick, uh, we talked a little bit about some of the stuff that came out of yesterday's practice, but maybe the number one thing that at least went viral or uh, it's, which, you know what, Nick, it seems like every single week there's something with this team, whether it's high knees or wristband or hack it. Like it, there's always something with this team that like becomes a national type story. And yesterday it was Nathaniel Hackett was asked about uh, the two struggling teams and how, you know, both the Raiders and Broncos are not heading in the right direction currently. Like they're just not playing well. And his answer blew up because he said, well, somebody has got to win the game. And uh, I tweeted it out and uh, immediately and was like, well, I guess this means that the game's definitely going to end in a tie now uh, that, that he said that somebody's got to win. Um, and it's, it's blown up. The tweets blown up and, and the quotes been, you know, everywhere. You, I'm pretty sure they were talking about on ESPN yesterday. Um, I'm sure Stephen A. Smith will have something interesting to say about it, but what were your thoughts when you saw that quote go out that he said, well, somebody's got to win the game? Well, first of all, big shout out to you, George Story. Woohoo! To my own horn. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man, uh, when, I, when, you, when, you, when you hear that, obviously, when the team is struggling, you like, you know, WTF, right? But at the same time, I get what he's saying. He's being really, I guess, uh, honest about the situation. Both teams are not playing well and if you look at them and you put things side by side you know they're going through the same thing the Broncos have 14 players on IR the Raiders have 12 they have a new head coach and Josh McDaniels and he's constantly having meetings with Mark Davis about the direction of the team now the one thing that we don't know as far as Nathaniel Hackett is he having those same type of you know game to game meetings with the Pinner Walton family we don't really know that but they have two quarterbacks that seem to be struggling. Uh, the running game instead hadn't, you know, gotten on track. More so the Raiders have been able to run the ball better than the Broncos, and they're having offensive line issues as well. So there's a lot of drama that is similar from one side uh, to the other side. But, yeah, someone, someone has to win. Every game, every Sunday, every Thursday, every Monday, someone is typically going to win and someone's typically going to lose. And maybe that was a little tongue-in-cheek for Nathaniel Hackett and it's not something where people find funny or entertaining and I guess you could put it in the same vein as how when Russell says something or has said something while the team has been struggling where he's thought you know maybe let me see if I can lighten up the mood by saying something like this but this is just where this team is at this particular moment and until they start winning anything they say at the podium I don't care what it is it's going to be something that becomes local and national news. Yeah, and there's a bunch of national media, Nick, uh, chiming in on, on the tweet. And they were saying, well, that's one way to not instill confidence in your team. And I didn't take it that way. I took it kind of like you said, tongue-in-cheek. Like, yeah, both teams are really bad right now, but somebody has to win this game. Uh, and, I mean, come on. Like, people that think he's, like, saying, oh, like, Somebody's got to win, and I hope it's us. Like, that's not what he's saying. Like, he he wants to win this game. He believes this team can win this game. But, like, I I, I don't know. I, I think some people took it the wrong way when they're like, hey, uh, you're not instilling confidence in your team. Did you think that at all? Were you like, if you were a player and you saw that quote, would you be like, man, I can't believe he said that? No, I mean, obviously the team knows where they are. They know where the Raiders are at this particular point. And it was kind of obvious that, hey, someone's got to win. That's every single time you face an opponent, right? But I think for me, once again, I go back to this. 
it was it was Hackett probably trying to throw out a little you know tongue in cheek, even though he knows the severity of the situation or the outcome of the team and with himself if the team doesn't win. So it's just like okay, we all know what the circumstances are, and when we look at those circumstances and we look at individuals looking for something to lead their show with to to kind of write about these are those types of things yeah did he did he kind of lead into that a little yeah he did but i still don't think that he was saying that as though oh i don't have faith and confidence you know in my team but he was just stating the obvious and you can't really state the obvious when you are losing because now that creates that that media storm where everything you say now becomes a problem. Yeah, and Nick, the reality is I feel like people just want to nitpick the Broncos, right? Like they're just easy to to poke at right now, right? Like it's anything Russell Wilson says, everybody's got to, you know, take it and run with it. Anything Nathaniel Hackett says, they're a punching bag right now. And I think that anytime there's anything even close to this, because when I tweeted it out, I thought it was a uh, like a funny quote, you know, because I was just like, well, technically it could end in a tie. And that would be honestly hilarious if that happened <laughs> on Sunday, if these two teams ended in a tie. But like, I didn't think of it as like, oh, he's he's not putting confidence in his team. I just think that people are looking at anything they can to, to poke fun. And I'm sure the Raiders are the same way. I haven't paid as close attention to the, you know, I actually, I will say I, I turned on uh, ESPN, I believe his first take. And Stephen A. Smith was going on one heck of a rant about the Raiders uh, and why they should fire Josh McDaniels. But, um, you know, I'm sure that they feel the same way in terms of getting a lot of people. And that's what that's what happens when you lose games. Right. I mean, look, if you were better, they wouldn't be poking fun at you, would they? Um, so I guess you can you can always just win and, and, and shut people up. But um, I don't know, Nick, it's it's going to be interesting. It's just this weekend's game, I, I think, is is pretty big for the future of this franchise. Cause I, I do think that uh, Hackett will be in a really, I mean, it seems like there's a new rock bottom every week. If they lose to the two and seven Raiders at home, uh, that would be a, a new rock bottom for this group. Well, I'll tell you, man, um, you know, we do a lot of podcasts and I'm going to give uh, the title for the next uh, podcast, the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's what we're going to break down uh, after this game. And we definitely got to get that. And then we'll see which plays end up being those bad plays. We want to throw in a trash can and just kind of burn them. But this is going to be that type of game for sure. So I'm hoping that the guys on both sides are definitely motivated, right? Motivated to go out there, show their fan base, and also the Raiders trying to show the Broncos fan base that, hey, we are not the worst team in the NFL. And it's just kind of crazy that both teams have been going through the same type of things. And when you look around the league, other teams have had issues with injuries as well. And they've been able to kind of keep things going in the right direction. I'm not saying that those teams who've had those injuries have the better record in their uh, particular division, but they've been able to score points and they've been able to actually look like a better team than we've seen the Raiders look like and the Broncos look like themselves. Well, Nick, one area that the Broncos are going to need to play well if they want to win on Sunday is the offensive line. We talked about it a little bit previously, but that's a group that 
has struggled all year, Nick. And a lot of it has obviously been injuries, but I also just think they need to get better there in the offseason. But how do you look at this offensive line this week? We don't know who's going to be able to play. Sounds like Cam Fleming is a possibility. Uh, that would obviously give him a little bit of a boost at tackle. Sounds like Tom Compton could be back, which could give them a, a boost. We haven't seen him play all season. Uh, another free agent signing. Uh, doesn't sound like Billy Turner. Billy Turner's out. He's on the IR, so he's out for at least four weeks, maybe the season. Uh, and then you've got you know the center situation. Graham Glasgow sounds like he's doing better. I don't believe he. Pra- he I think he was limited yesterday in practice, but you could see a rookie there at Luke Wattenberg at center. What do you think of this makeshift offensive line? And I know you didn't play offensive line, Nick, but how important is that cohesion and meshing together as one unit up front and why that's so why it's been so difficult for the Broncos when you're plugging and playing, you know, different guys in, in, in different spots? It's important, George, because you know the, the right hand needs to know what the left hand is thinking. And when you have guys who have played maybe eight games, ten games. Uh, 12 games, it definitely, you know, helps out with that communication because each guy knows the other guy's strength and they know their weakness. Even though you have some of these guys who've been on the Broncos roster since the beginning of training camp, they haven't had that time to really gel from a communication standpoint. But here's the good thing uh, about Sunday's game. That game is at home, right? Uh, Opposed to being on the road. When you're playing on the road, like Luke Wattenberg had to go in, in that Titans game, and he didn't have that chemistry with Russ, we saw balls on the ground, balls flying to the right or left, and Russ was trying to keep them from, you know, being recovered by the Titans, and then you're dealing with that crowd, so it makes it that much more difficult. At home, either way, the crowd is going to be silent, one, because the offense is not moving the ball effectively, or they're just going to try to give that hometown respect to the quarterback and the offensive line as though we see around the league, but that's really important. And the most important of, of all the offensive line position is center to quarterback because that center to quarterback exchange is so important. You cannot run the ball, George. You cannot pass the ball if you can't get the ball from the center to the quarterback. So I'm hoping that they did a lot of work, not just during practice, but after practice, Russell and Luke Wattenberg actually working on snap counts. What do you like to place your hands when they're on the center? What do you like to snap the ball? When I'm in the shotgun, Here's where I like the ball. Okay, I'm a right-handed quarterback. So here, put it here on my right-hand side so I can see it, but still look at the defense. These are all the things that I hope they worked on in practice. And knowing, okay, well, will it be Cam Fleming? Will it be Tom Compton? We really don't know. But all I do know, there's a guy by the name of Max Crosby. He doesn't care who you roll out there. He's trying to steamroll him and just get your quarterback. So they better find a way to sack. I mean, stop, excuse me, stop Max Crosby. Yeah, and, and you know, Crosby's obviously the number one issue. I think he had two sacks last time the Broncos played. He he, he was really a monster, I think especially in that second half. Uh, they got after Russell a little bit. So they got to protect on the edges. In terms of the center play, obviously, I've said on here multiple times, I have, not, I have never played at a high level of football, but I did play center for quite a while, and I was very good at it in high school. And I can tell you when you have different quarterbacks – and you're playing with different quarterbacks, it takes time to build that chemistry in terms of snapping the ball. Shotgun, uh, same with under center. And it's just one of those things that you just have to have a lot of reps with it, and then you get comfortable, and you go forward. So when he came in last week and had a couple bad snaps, and they weren't even really that bad of snaps, I don't think, 
it was just Russell wasn't used to catching the ball where he usually snaps it. Like that just takes repetition. So hopefully they got, uh, you know, together and did that this week. I think they have, you know, Russell was asked about it yesterday and just said, hey, Luke's played a lot of football in his career. He has. He played a lot at Washington, right? He was, I think he was a super senior at Washington. So he's done this before. He's he's instilled that confidence in Luke this week, apparently, you know, talking to him. He talked to him during the game, said, hey, man, you got this. You played a lot of football in your career. So I, I don't think that'll be as big of an issue this week because, again, all it takes is just extra reps after practice, snapping it over and over again to him, and eventually you get it down, right, to where you, you get used to each other. So it's going to be interesting. I like Luke Wattenberg a lot. I'm not saying he's better than Graham Glasgow, but I do think he can come in and, and play good football. Uh, I thought he was a really good draft pick. So uh, not as concerned there as I am at the tackles, right? Like Cam Fleming uh, I think would give them a pretty big boost just because I think he's a pretty big upgrade from Calvin Anderson. Calvin Anderson just hasn't been playing great at that left tackle spot. And if you can get Tom Compton, a guy that they thought would be a starter when they signed him in the offseason at either guard or tackle, I think that'd also be a big boost. So uh, I, I don't know if, if Compton will be ready to go. He hasn't played all year, has had some back issues, which is obviously a big problem when you play the offensive line. But uh, I, I do think that they could, again, it might be like their sixth or seventh different starting offensive line this year, which is just not good. But if you get Compton and, and Fleming and, and you also have Glasgow playing, it could not it could be a little bit better group than what they had last week. Well, it definitely uh, could be a, a better group, but still the cohesion is uh, what you are concerned with. And, you know, what the Broncos should have done from the very beginning, even when they had, I guess, a healthy four because Billy Turner was expected to be the right tackle and he wasn't, you know, healthy during the early part of the season was fire out those first couple of plays, just run the freaking ball. Even on that first possession, even if you don't get a first down, run the ball to set the tempo. So that way you don't put your, your offensive lineman in a difficult spot where they're constantly sitting on their heels waiting to get punched in the mouth. Could you imagine being a right tackle and dealing with Max Crosby? He's long, he's athletic, he has a high motor. I would, last week against uh, the Colts, he's chasing down running backs from behind. That's just the animal that you're dealing with. But sometimes you got to stop that sense of urgency right from the beginning. And it's almost like a boxing match. You got to come out swinging and punch them in the face and let them know, hey, you're in the contest. You're not going to have like 60 plays where you can run up the field and get out our quarterback. We want to make you concerned about the run. This is something that the with, with, that the Broncos defense had to deal with when they faced the Raiders last time because Carr wasn't pushing the ball down the field because the PS2 had Devontae Adams on lockdown. So what did they do? Hand the ball off, hand the ball off. And Josh Jacob had almost 200 yards, if not 200 yards against his defense. So the Broncos need to employ that type of scheme if they hope to survive the game on Sunday. Yeah, they got to be able to run the ball. Nick, I, I think you could say that every single week. Um, that's been one of their biggest issues is you're sitting in these third and longs because you're not able to run the ball on first or second down, right? Um, and you're not even able to do it in, in short yardage situations when you need to pick up first down. So they got to be able to run the ball on Sunday. We'll see what the offensive line looks like again. It could be I, – I need to look it up, but I, I would believe it's it's got to be the fifth or sixth different starting offensive line they're going to have if Tom Compton ends up starting this game, which is just nuts to think that they've had – that many different combinations on the offensive line this season. But Nick, we got to take a quick, quick break. Uh, and then there's another offensive unit I want to dive into that has 
quite a few injuries that we're going to have to see some some new guys, some young guys step up this week if the Broncos want to win. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, everybody, we're back from that quick break. And, Nick, we just broke down the offensive line, uh, but there's another unit, offensive unit, for this uh, this Broncos team that's going to be without several guys, I think, this week, uh, and that's the wide receivers. Uh, you look at the wide receiver unit, Jerry Judy's day-to-day. I don't believe he practiced on Wednesday. Um, I still don't expect him to play. I, I just – it seems like too risky to get him out there. Uh, you don't want to get him hurt, especially when it sounds like K.J. Hamler now uh, is a candidate to go on the IR with his hamstring injury, and he's going to be out, I think Nathaniel Hackett said, a few weeks. Um, you're talking about a unit that now has Cortland Sutton, who, Nick, listen to this stat. How many touchdowns do you think he has scored in his last 20 games? Give me a guess, Cortland Sutton. Zero. One. He scored oh, one touchdown yeah. in his last 20 games. That's just not very good. Uh, then – you have, I would guess, Kendall Hinton would be number two uh, after Sutton, who I thought played great the other day. He played really well. But he's got a shoulder injury. He's limited this week in practice. Uh, and then after that, you're talking about Jalen Virgil, who, again, looked great. Uh, only got one target, so maybe he'll get more this week. Montreal Washington, who I think can do some things. Uh, and then really after that, they, they, they let Tyree Cleveland go. Um, you know, I believe they signed somebody. I'm, I'm forgetting his name. Victor Bolden. Yeah, there you go. Victor Bolden. Um, but what do you think of this wide receiver group? Am I missing anybody? I feel like I'm missing someone. Uh, but, uh, what do you think of this group and, and how do you think the offense will look with that many guys out at that position? Well, it makes it really difficult, uh, on, on the offense, because once again, just like the offensive line, George, you're playing with a lot of guys who haven't really played together. So you wonder about the chemistry. But here's the bright side of it. Here's some other guys who have not had as many opportunities at the beginning of the season that are going to get an opportunity to not show the Broncos, but to show the league the type of players that they are. And this is where your leaders stand up. For me, when I was with the Broncos, we had situations like this when we had a couple of guys down. But the guy that kept everyone together, and he was kind of glued to the offense, it was Rod Smith. So I'm not saying Corlin Sutton is Rod Smith, but he's going to have to be maybe 20% of Rod Smith because all eyes are going to be looking at you. You're now the bona fide number one wide receiver. There's no Jerry Judy. We haven't had Tim Patrick in a while. So can you stand up and be that player? I'm not talking about giving passion and speeches before the game or after the game. No. I'm talking about taking that energy that you are trying to push through with your message in your speech, put that out there on the field, lead by example. This is not one of those games where we need, you know, coaches or players to deliver these Newt Rockney speeches. No, it's time for production. And when you look at that offensive group, you say, well, where's that offensive production going to come from? You mentioned Jalen Virgil, who coming out of Appalachian State, he wasn't even drafted. You get Montreal Washington, who was drafted late, that some individuals thought, hey, you know what? He's just a special teamer. He's not a wide receiver. So you said, well, how do you create some kind of offensive vertical passing game with these guys? And this is how you do it. 
you you have a guy by the name of Victor Bolden. He hadn't played in the NFL since 2018. Uh, last season, he, he won a title with the USFL uh, Stallions. But I can tell you this because I was around Victor Bolden when I was coaching with the San Francisco 49ers. He has that vertical speed that you saw with K.J. Hamlin. So to me, yeah, he's on a practice squad, but you pull him off the practice squad and you make him active because here's what you do for your offense. He has excelled as a kick returner and a punt returner. With him being able to do that, now that frees up Montreal Washington to be used as a second or third wide receiver. And oh, by the way, the Broncos have uh, their version of Travis Kelsey, but much faster, but less experienced, and Greg Dosage. Anytime Dosage gets the ball, we know that's magic between him and Russell Wilson. So why not get him out there? You spread the field. Don't put him in the core. You flex him out. And if you need an inline blocking tight end, you use uh, Eric uh, Salbert, right? Because Beck is still dealing with a hamstring. That's how you get offensive production. You have to use what you have in your back pocket to, to put out a scheme. You can't constantly say, well, we don't have this. We don't have that. You know what? Take the New England Patriot approach. We don't care what you can't do. We want to we want to focus on what you can do. So this has to be not a can't do team. This needs to be a can do team. And I just told you exactly how you get offense production. Now, whether Hackett does that, that's a different thing. Yeah, and I'm looking at the stats here. Last time they played the Raiders, Nick, uh, KJ Hamler uh, had one reception for 55 yards. Obviously, that that long pass towards the end of the game. Uh, Jerry Judy, four four receptions, 53 yards, a touchdown. Cortland Sutton, five receptions, 52 yards, a touchdown. So one of his better games uh, came against the Raiders. Kendall Hinton, two receptions, 39 yards. Eric Saubert, one reception, 25 yards. So, uh, you know, they spread the ball around a little bit last game. Obviously, they're going to be without their two top guys from that game, Jerry Judy and, and K.J. Hamler. But, you know, y- you need Cortland Sutton to be the guy, right? You need him to go out and make big-time catches. We saw that a little bit against the Titans. I mean, he had that one. Uh, you know that one-handed grab that was just phenomenal, uh, and he had a couple other big catches. You gotta, you gotta get him going. Uh, you need Kendall Hinton to have another big game, uh, and you gotta trust those those younger guys. I feel like part of the problem, Nick, is they haven't really trusted Jalen Virgil or Montrell Washington to be out there a whole lot, and that's why we haven't seen them. But it seems like every time they're out there, they make a big play. Uh, whether it's Montrell on an end around or Jalen Virgil on on the go ball, and he he scores. You know, you gotta you gotta start trusting these guys because you really have no one else, right? Uh, and I like Victor Bolden. You know, yesterday at practice, you're right, man. That guy's got some twitch to him. He's got some speed. Uh, not as big of a guy, but he can go. So I wonder if if they have some packages for him. If if we see him a little bit, if they call him up, so gonna be interesting. One stat too, Nick, that I wanted to throw out there as we're talking about the wide receivers, the the Raiders' uh, pass defense has been one of the worst in the NFL. They're allowing a 107 passer rating, which is the highest in the league, a 107 passer rating against opposing teams each week. Uh, and the highest passer rating in the league, Nick, week to week is Patrick Mahomes at 105. So you're you're talking about they're letting guys have big days in the through the air, uh, and especially quarterbacks. And even looking at Russell Wilson's stats right here, last time they played the Raiders, 17 of 25, 237 yards, two touchdowns. He was sacked three times, uh, QBR 44.3. But, you know, that was one of his better games. So I wonder if we can see Russell, uh, again, doesn't have the weapons that he did the last time, but I wonder if we see a better version of Russell Wilson this week 
against the against the Raiders pass defense that just has not been very effective this year. Yeah, but George, I mean, once again, I mean, you're laying out these things from a stats uh, standpoint, and this is where, as as a head coach, offensive coordinator, you start to look at what worked well against a particular team. If not just that, you just look around the league. It's okay, right? We have the cliche saying it's a copycat league, so it's okay to look at other teams and see, well, what were they doing that was so creative that now you can deploy against a Raiders team that they may not have seen because it's the we're talking about plays that's coming from an entirely different conference, an entirely different team, and you have a way to make it look better and put it in a way that is familiar to some of the routes concepts that you've built thus far. But to just kind of throw up your hands and say, hey, listen, this is just where we are and we have to kind of power through it. To me, that's just talk. I mean, unless you, uh, oh, Betty put, his, I would always say, I always tell people, hey, man, I'm from Miami. I have a New York mentality, but I also think like I'm from uh, Missouri, right? And the reason I say that is because if you know, Missouri is the show me state. Don't tell me, show me. So that's where the Broncos are right now. Show me. Don't talk a good game. Show me, and it's okay to look at other offensive units and borrow, even if that means you have to, you know, your old uh, uh, quarterback coach in Green Bay, Luke Getze, look at what he's doing in Chicago, right? You can even go back and look and see, oh, Jeff Saturday came in and he filled the void for Frank Wright. But look what they did for Matt Ryan. It was short, quick passes to make sure that, uh, Chandler Jones, who haven't really had a lot of sacks this year, and Max Crosby isn't able to get to your quarterback. That, that's a simple recipe, and simple is okay. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree, Nick. I, I mean, look, you and I have talked about it a lot. We just need them to, to finally do it, right? Um, yeah. We, we want to see them finally do it. Quickly, Nick, before we get into some predictions, uh, what do you want to see from this Broncos defense? Obviously, last time you know they played – this, you could argue this was their worst performance of the season defensively. Uh, you know, Josh Jacob, I'm, I'm, again, looking at the stats here, 28 carries, 144 yards, two touchdowns. He was the difference in that game. Uh, Devontae Adams, nine receptions, 101 yards, which so sounds like a lot, but I remember that game. Sertan shot him down when they needed him to. Um, what do you want to see from this Broncos defense? Do you think they can slow down Josh Jacobs this time around? Yeah, I do believe. Here's why. Because you go back to last week, 50 yards uh, to giving up 50 yards to Derrick Henry. They proved that they can be a run-stepping defense and just use, you know, the guys up front and then the second-level linebackers. So go into this game a little upset because, once again, let's be totally honest, as well as the defense play uh, this season, that was a game that they did not show up when the offense – actually was showing up, moving the ball down the field. So they should be a little upset, wanting a little get back. But I want to see them great against the run. And also, based on the offensive struggle by the Raiders, don't play too much zone coverage. The Raiders' offense loves zone. Now Devontae Adams can find the, the soft spot in the zone. And now on the run and the catch, like we saw with the Colts game, let PS2 do what he did last game. Devontae's going to catch those little short underneath routes. But then you have a safety somewhat – over the top, just in case PS2 needs it. But we need to see more production on the defense as far as being a run-stuffing defense this week. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, this is 
this is one of those games that I think the Broncos defense, um, you know, has a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, right? Uh, they, they, they've been so good this year, you know, first in the league in a lot of st- statistical categories. But I think they still look back at that Raiders game, at least the leaders on that defense do, and say, hey, we, we could have been better in that game. That's one that's on us, right? Uh, a lot of these games have been on the offense. And they, I mean, they're not going to come out and say that, but um, that, that game was definitely one that the defense could have played better. So I think that they're going to come out trying to stop the run. And then they're just going to trust, you know, Sertan to, to really shut down Adams or at least keep him out of the end zone. Uh, the Raiders will be without Hunter Rimfro, which he didn't play in the last game either, uh, and Darren Waller. So that obviously changes some things when you don't have to, you know, guard a guard like Darren Waller, who's, you know, one of the best tight ends in the league. So, um, I expect the defense to play really well. I think this is going to be a slugfest, Nick. Uh, I do think the Broncos are going to win. Uh, I'm, I'm taking the Broncos to win. I think it's like a 16-13 type game. Um, honestly, I should probably pick them to tie, you know, like I said on, on Twitter. <laughs> but uh, I like the Broncos in this one. I think they find a way to win. I feel like that's the way the Broncos have been the last few years is, you know, they get down and, and they play some bad games and all of a sudden they they win a game that makes you think, oh, Maybe they got it figured out. Maybe they got it figured out. I think that's going to be one of these games. They somehow beat the Raiders. Everything's okay for another week, and then they you know, play the Panthers, obviously, next week, and we'll see what they do then. But, Nick, who do you like in this game and why? Well, I'm going to take uh, the Denver Broncos. They're, they're playing at, at home. Uh, the defense has shown uh, that they can uh, do a great job against uh, the run, and, and this idea of just kind of employing a similar philosophy but just being great or better, if uh, better word, uh, against the run against Josh Jacobs. Because if you take Jacobs away from the Raiders like the Colts did last week, you have an opportunity to uh, to win the ball game. And the Broncos desperately need this win. Let's be, let's be totally honest. They get this win, one, they're going to crush the Raiders' hope, and then they're going to be fighting on the plane. Not that I'm advocating for fisticuffs, but that's just the Raiders' way. And then also, like you said, for another week, it gives the Broncos confidence that, hey, we can turn things around and look how crazy things are. 14 guys in, injured, makeshift offensive line, a couple of our receivers injured, and we still go out and we win the ball game. Now it's like, okay, well, things were bad. Now they're starting to look up. Let's try to roll this over into next week playing against the Panthers. Yep, 100%. It should be a good one, Nick. Uh, Josh McDaniels back in town. I'm sure a lot of Broncos fans just want to win that game just because of him being back in town. Uh, and and it should be interesting to see. I mean, man, if the Raiders lose, they're in a tough spot uh, with what they're doing in their head. I know a lot of people are talking about the Broncos and the future of Nathaniel Hackett, but man, uh, Josh McDaniel loses. Josh McDaniels loses this game. His seat is uh, incredibly hot, even if they can't they can't fire him because of money reasons but should be a good one nick are, are you going to the game uh no i'll be watching it uh in uh the broncos headquarters who's got the post game show so uh yeah i'll be nice and warm yeah yeah well make sure you guys watch nick on the post game show make sure you guys read my stuff from the denver gazette uh and we will see you guys next week when we break down the result of the broncos and the raiders thanks for liking sharing and subscribing to the podcast 